last week. Some of you may notice, uh, last week, remember, this was Goliath. Uh, I think we got a little better thing going on here. Give you some kind of idea of really what uh, the size difference and all it is. As we're talking about Goliath, giving you that idea right here. Uh, why and what they're dealing with to do with that. Also, before we go to the scripture reading and pray, I know there's a burning question on everybody's mind. And no, I want you to know, he who is without sin must cast the first stone. (laughs) And I know I haven't been pastor for long, but I'm pretty sure most of you I know, you shouldn't be throwing the stone. All right, I already got that down. Uh, Although, If you do, we're going to go back to old church discipline where they stone people. Uh, So I'm just letting you know. Hold on to that. Uh, It'll be clear what we're doing with that. If you did not get one, there will be some left over. We're going to put some of the extras. Anything extra is going to go back in this basket. And there's some in that basket, including if you are a a kid, one of the kids who did not get one and like wanted to have one. Uh, hopefully most parents are thanking me that they they were not supposed to get one. So that was the idea, to not have a uh, rock to bang on their siblings with uh, while the preaching goes on. Uh, but if you feel like it's appropriate as we talk about this today, that they would be a part of this, there will be uh, some rocks up here. Like I say, we've got to get some yet in this one, but there are some there. So let's, uh, let's look at 1 Samuel 17. And as we look at 1 Samuel 17, we're going to begin, because we've kind of read this last week, we're going to start in verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd and loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the, array was go, as the army was going out to battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up the lines facing each other. David left the His things with the keeper of supplies ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out, how he comes out to defy Israel? The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. And David asked the men standing near, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace, this disgrace, from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's older brother, oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why do you come down here? With whom do you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know you were conceited and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter with the men answered before. And what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are 
not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man since his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or bear carried off the sheep or flock. I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like the one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. And then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put the cloak of armor on and bronze helmet on him. David fastened his sword over the tunic. He tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off and he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch for, of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Father, I pray as we stop right there that you would uh, speak to us this morning. That your word, which is true like a sword, would break through. And that your word in us would break the power of fear in us to set us free help me to speak your words but Lord I thank you that you can speak to each of us this day with things that are beyond anything I will say you are here you desire not just to teach us something new this morning you desire to transform us into something new something that we were not when we walked in that we walk out we are more with you than before we are victorious thank you jesus for what you're going to do in this in your name we pray amen Let's get back to the story of David and Goliath. And if you remember last week, we talked about this is not a kid's story. We talk about it being a kid's story, but there is nothing G-rated about all of this. This is a story for each and every one of us that we need to grasp a hold of what it means. Last week we started with standing up, and this week we're going to go here, and next week, we'll, or two weeks from now, uh, when we get back, we'll get back to this. But let's start where we're at. David arrives in verse 20. David arrives with food for his brothers. Remember that? We just just read through that. He had loaded up. He arrived. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. And then verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up the lines facing each other. David left the things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, greeted his brothers. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And then all the Israelites saw the man and ran from him in great fear. So David's bringing the food. All of a sudden, a bunch of commotion. They hear the battle cry, the war cry. Woo! This is it. They're getting ready to go out to fight. He runs down there. And what does 
his wondering eyes see but Goliath saying the same thing that he's been saying all along. You remember back in verse 8. Back in verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. The Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man. Let us fight each other. And on hearing his words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Once again, Goliath mocking, threatening, intimidating words, putting fear in the Israelite army. So they just ran. But David had a completely different reaction than all of them. And we talked about standing up to this bully. David doesn't fear. Instead, he wants to confront He wants to conquer this giant of fear that's before. He talks about there's no way. You know, this, why are we, who is this? As we read a little bit later in verse uh, 26, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And this has been going on for 40 days and 40 nights. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, David's got to be thinking, this is ridiculous. This isn't right. This has got to stop. Whatever was in the past is in the past, but not today. This ends here. Done listening to this crud coming out of his mouth. I'm not afraid of this bold-faced liar. He could say, as we know in Romans 8.31, if God is for me, who can be against me? In that moment, David is sure what needs to be done. It's not to run away. It's to run to the battle. But he doesn't rush right out in that moment. Do we see that? David in that moment hears God said he recognized that it's horrible, that it's not right, that it's just a bunch of lies, and this guy needs to be taken down. But in that moment, he does not just rush out there and take him on. Why? Because there's something he needs to do first. Before he does that, there's a preparation that needs to take place before he runs out onto the battlefield. And so too for us, as we're talking about being set free from fear, there is a preparation that we need to do. We're going to finish the battle the next time we're together, but before that, we need to be prepared for this battle. Just like David got prepared. He didn't rush right into it. He had to be prepared to defeat that giant of fear. And that's ultimately, for all of us, what we need to do. Today, what we're going to do is look at two different elements of that preparation that will get us set to end this and finally defeat fear. The first thing, the first thing we need to do is defend yourself against the lies of friendly fire. You see, it's not just about jumping out there. There are other things going on all around us in, in our life. Fear it just doesn't come at us with a big, as a big giant problem or a big giant person. Rather, the lies of fear can come at us from some of the most unexpected places. We need to be on the lookout for friendly fire from those who we think should be on our side. 
if we end up focusing on the battle in front of us, the, the Goliath that's right in front of us, the fear that's right in front of us, or what we're seeing, what we know, we got to do that. We focus on that, but we don't prepare for the sneak attack of the enemy coming through other people and other ways, then we will end up being weakened as we go out onto the battlefield. Even perhaps defeated before we get there. We can end up letting lies slip in that would lead us to be afraid, to worry. You know, it's like looking at Goliath, we're looking at the giant, we're not afraid about, no, we're not afraid, I can handle it, I can do that. But then these lies come from the side, come in the back door. We need to decide what voices we're going to listen to, just like David decided. Whether we're going to listen to the voice of fear, or whether we're going to listen to the voice of faith. Look at verse 26 as we continue on. Verse 26, David asked the man standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine removes his grace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy? He repeated in verse 27, repeated what he'd been saying and told him, This is what will be done. And then when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave the few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is, and you came down only to watch the battle. You know, it's one thing that those in the army around were not much help battling what should have been taken down Goliath. But now his own brother? I mean, yeah... what needs to be handled is this, is this is Goliath and to face that fear, to knock that giant down. But here we have coming in the side door his very own brother. And can you imagine the tone he's using with him? David had come down bringing food. He was just doing a favor for them. He would bringing them some special food. And he gets like, what are you doing here? Right? I mean, we just read it there. What, what are you doing here? And, and you can imagine, it says he's angry. That's the, the kind of like his brother's talking to him, you know, when that you get all red and the veins are popping out of the neck and he's looking at his younger brother, just kind of screaming at him, all red face and everything like that. You don't belong here. Mind your own business. Which, by the way, is a tiny little business for a tiny little boy. I mean, that's verse 28. I mean, that's, that's what he's saying. Think about it. He burned with anger. Why have you come? Leave those few sheep in the desert. Just minimizing everything that David and whatever he was doing. Like, you know what? You just need to stick to your piddly little job. For all that matters, your piddly little job right now is just a delivery boy. Stop. There's nothing more that you need to do. Is it to say there is nothing more you can do? But David believes there's something that needs to be done. That needs to be done about this bully fear that is out there. And yet David's brother did everything he could to make it clear that certainly it's not your place to do anything. It's not your place. That's not who you are. And that was the friendly fire. The lie. 
you're just some little shepherd boy with a little bit of sheep. You got nothing to contribute here. You got nothing you can do. There is nothing. You're too little. You're too small. You're unimportant and you shouldn't even be here. It's a lie. But not from Goliath. It's a lie from friendly fire. You know, there are those who are constantly critical and negative. Tear down instead of build up. And unfortunately, oftentimes those people who are like that are family and those who are close. Feeling like they got to cut us down to size because that's their responsibility instead of building us up to the size that God is. David is like in, in verse 29. What have I done? Can I even speak? You know, pro. Why are you such a hater? Where did this come from? I was doing asking a simple question. Just a simple question. But you know what? Fear can make people irrational. In fact, the, what we've said, fear was a bully. We talked about that last week. After 40 days of this bully Goliath poisoning their hearts and their minds, it got to the point where David's brother became a bully as well poisoned by the stuff he'd been hearing and allowing to listen to instead of just stopping not listening to that fear will bring out the worst in someone often putting them on edge until they just explode in anger david didn't take it personal you know what? we shouldn't when we recognize what's going on in the lives around us when we get that friendly fire we need to recognize where it's coming from the frustration of fear, sometimes which we don't even share with others, that frustration of fear, that worry, that anxiety lashes out and it tries to drag others into the same world of lies that they are trapped into. Because this is the way I'm seeing life right now. This is the way I'm looking because that's the way life really is. It's just dark. It's defeated. And they want to bring you in on that. You need to say, not today. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm going to defend myself against those kind of lies, even if it comes from friendly fire. His oldest brother, Eliab, is saying, but, but his oldest brother, Eliab, says there, well, wait a minute, I, I know the truth. You don't fool me. You're not fooling me. I mean, you can talk to all the rest of these people, but I know you, little brother. I know exactly what you're up to with your self-righteous attitude. You just don't understand what it takes to get things done here. He accuses David of something that is a bold-faced lie, that he's there for another reason. He's trying to knock David down a peg or two or, or just throwing that other, not, other lie out there. I know what you came. You came for a show. You came just to, to watch. Well, this isn't entertainment, boy. I'm sure David's thinking, there is nothing entertaining about what I'm seeing right now. There is nothing funny. There is nothing good about what's going on. But he did. He didn't say it. Perhaps his brother is thinking back to chapter 16. In chapter 16, what happens is David gets anointed as king. After the prophet Samuel had gone through all the brothers, starting with the oldest one. I mean, if anybody's going to be the first one to be king it should be the first son 
if anybody, I mean, think about it. There's not too many older brothers that are stronger, perhaps more talented. Too many older brothers that are going to be happy that baby brother not only gets to be king before them, but baby brother is going to be king over them. But you can't give in to the lies of fear trying to scare you away before you ever get into the real battle. You know, if David would, not that he ever thought David could do anything, but even if David did, well, that would be kind of that whole king thing, and I don't even believe all that whole king thing, and so David is not a part of it. David could have just said, fine, have it your way. I'll leave. Fine, I'm just, I'm out of here. I don't need this grief from you. But he didn't do that. He didn't let him push him away or scare him away. I mean, the oldest, the oldest brother words could have instilled fear in David, like, man, I need to just get out of here. No, I'm going to defend myself against the lies, even if it's from Finley Fire. I'm not going to listen to this. You can get as angry as you want, brother. But I'm not going to let your anger scare me away. Nor am I going to let the way you're acting get me distracted into the wrong battle by reacting against you because it could have turned ugly. I mean, think about it. The whole verse 29. I mean, that could have turned ugly. You could have said, what's your problem, dude? Like, get a grip. Get out of my face. I'm tired of you. And in that moment, he would have been completely distracted from the real battle. And he would have been defeated. It would never have defeated Goliath. Never defeated fear. We've got to keep our eyes on the real battle. And not be pulled in by friendly fire into something that's not what we should be. I'm not going to fall for the lie because you're not the one I need to defeat. You're not my battle. I'm not going to fall for that lie. And in verse 30, he turns. Look at verse 30. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the man answered him as before. Instead of engaging his brother, instead of listening to the lies, he just turned to someone else. Ignores his brother and asks the question. Let's face it, even if we do not engage the brother in battle, there are some of us who would be so distracted in that moment. Like, I'm not going to fight with my brother. Ah, you're right, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. But you know what? You are fighting with your brother, just not verbally. In your head, it's going on and on. Like, oh, man, I have some words for him. Oh, just wait till I get a chance. You know, I can't believe how ignorant and mean my brother is. And he just goes on and on. And we go on and on about my brother and what he's doing. And and we're defeated. We've allowed the lies of friendly fire to get us off of the real battle that we should be fighting you defend ourselves against those lies. They'll stop us from the truth of what God wants. So if hanging out with his brother or hanging out with the army wasn't helping, right? We're not going to defeat fear hanging out with the fearful. Not going to defeat, defeat fear by hanging out with the fearful. And so David is, is ready is getting himself ready, standing there before that, you know, looking at that bully of fear, 
feeling bold, feeling ready to go out and as he's talking with them, and he gets noticed. In verse 31, as we continue on in our text, verse 31, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So here it is. I think you got hanging around with the army, hanging around with his brother, just not helpful. Now he gets called to the one guy who should support him. The one guy should support him, the commander-in-chief of the army. In fact, the guy who should be fighting right beside him, this great fear that's in front of everybody, Saul. And what does Saul do? The, this leader, verse 33, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting a fighting man from his youth. Friendly fire again. Basically, here you got the leader, the the big cheese, the man saying, you don't got it. You're going to lose. I mean, that, that's what he's saying. You don't got a chance, David. You're just a kid. He's a killing machine. Wow. Thanks for the good word from the fearful leader. Not the fearless leader. The fearful leader is just passing on the fear, just like his brother did. Nothing different. And unfortunately, Saul is not the leader of others that he needs to be because he is not the follower of God that Saul needs to be. And that's where we run into our problems. There's always somebody who thinks that they're helping you by putting you down. Somebody who acts like they're on your team, or they should be on your team, and it sh but it sure seems like they're with the enemy. I mean, have you ever had, wanted to ask somebody like, Whose side are you on anyway? Have you ever felt that? I mean, I've felt that, especially you're working with churches and Christians, right? Whose side are you on anyway? They definitely are gifted people. I don't know. I know the, the kingdom builders... Uh, and in the men's class, they're dealing with spiritual gifts. Uh, have you guys covered the spiritual gift of discouragement yet? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that that's got to be. It's so prevalent. There's no way you're going to win. Instead, what somebody should say, there is no way you're going to lose with God. There's no way you're going to lose with God. You are more than a conqueror. That, that whole... Uh, Romans 8 verses 31 and, and on as it talks about in verse 31 and verse 32 what shall we say then in response to this if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all will he not also along with all things graciously give us all things it continues on in there even if you go on to verse uh, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. No. 
in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present or the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. That is the message that should be coming from those who are supposed to be on our side, not the friendly fire of lies. It's hard enough to face the battle that's in front of you without having to wade through negative, discouraging comments from others in our lives. But let's face it, humanly speaking, let's just think about this for a moment. Would you really had thought any different about this young, overconfident kid coming in and saying he would fight when nobody else would. This young man who had zero experience fighting other men, let alone a giant. Would you have staked the future of your country, not just his life, staked the future of your country on him? Most of us, if we're realistic, if we're honest, would say, you know what? No, I don't think I would. But the reality of what our answer should be is, yes, I would have. Not because I've read the Bible and that's what it says, right? Not about been there. It all depends on the voices that you are listening to. If you are listening to fear, no. But if you are listening to the voice of faith, you go, David. He wasn't looking for people just to agree with him. I mean, that's why sometimes you get the feeling with some people. They just want somebody to agree with them. That's not what he's looking for. He wasn't looking for people just to be positive and not negative around him. He was just looking for people to trust God with him. Instead, all he got was doubt. Doubt from friendly fire. Doubt, and there was no doubt what God's will was and what God needed to, wanted to take place. The lies coming from this giant fear in front of them needed to be dealt with. There is no doubt that there is a giant fear coming at us, that there is an enemy, an adversary, the devil, who John 10.10 tells us comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And his number one tool, or one of his number one tools, is fear. This is when we need to hear a voice that deals with truth and faith. David's not backing down despite the lies of discouragement and everything that has come from King Saul and others, uh, you know. And, and so since David's not backing down and he tells Saul about the whole experience with the lion and, and, and everything that goes on there. And so Saul finally says, okay. So, you know, kind of like, sure, go, and the Lord be with you. But before you go, this is in uh, the end of verse 37, go, the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on the bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. And so he took them off. So David's going. King Saul says, okay, fine. 
maybe I should be responsible for this kid in some way, going out there for his welfare. I, he needs to be prepared. And, and I don't know that it's necessarily out of the kindness of his heart, kind of the one sometimes when we read this, kind of like out of the kindness of the heart, Saul gives him his own armor. Saul should be wearing his own armor. It's not the kindness of his heart. You know what? That's what he should have on. So Saul gives him the, the, his own armor, which is probably the best armor out of all the army. I mean, that, let's face it. And he, he's surely thinking, you know what? Nobody goes to battle without armor on. This kid doesn't have any armor. Nobody goes to battle without armor on. That's just crazy. But if we really think about what Saul is saying, what Saul is doing, is instead of giving David a hand, he's giving him a backhand. I mean, it's basically saying, kid, there's no way you're going to win like the way you're at right now. The way you're at, you've got to get some armor on because you are never going to win if you don't have armor on, right? You can't do it that way. You're, you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. Maybe this armor can give you a fighting chance. Okay, probably not. But maybe this armor will keep you alive for a few more minutes if you, than if you did, didn't have it on. Saul wasn't necessarily helping David to win. In fact, all he was really doing is helping to seal David's death. David ends up being not real sure about all of this and how reliable it is to listen to advice on how to beat an enemy from somebody who's already defeated by fear of that enemy. David tries on all the things and, and says, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to use this stuff. I mean, sometimes I know in the kid's story, it's like it's a five-year-old putting on this big armor. It may have fit on him. It would have been big. But it was something he's not used to, something he hadn't used before. And David says, you know, I, I, I've not been trained in this. I've not proved. It says, I've not proved these. This is one of those things, one size does not fit all. And it didn't fit David. And this is where the friendly fire takes place again from Saul. Because what's happening is Saul was trying to get David to trust in the armor to protect him. You need to be out there. If you're going to be out there, you've got to have armor on because that's what's going to protect you. Saul was getting David to trust not only in the armor but the weapon because says David was strapped on the sword as well. Because if you're going to fight him, you've got to have a sword. All Saul was doing is his friendly fire is helping him get him killed because he was trusting in armor and trusting in the sword. But David said, listen, I, I haven't proved this armor, but what I have proved is the arm of God is able to deliver me. I don't need this stuff. It's, it's not going to help. I'm trying to do something I've never done before. That's not who I am, that's not how God has worked in me. In fact, all you're trying to do is to get me to be like Goliath, the one who's the big bully of fear. You don't go fighting fear with fear. You don't fight on their terms, 
on His terms, so to speak. And if he had, if David had gone out there with that, maybe Saul would have taken one hit and hit him and it would have spared his life for a moment and he would have been laying there, knocked over, just thinking, what did I get myself into? I'm tried out here and I just failed miserably. And, and uh, it got another couple hits and I'm done. And fear would have just entered in and taken over and he would have been defeated. But instead, David recognized God has a different way of doing things. Not going and trying to be Goliath, but being David and allowing to trust in God and what he said. And so David prepared himself. He took off that, not allowing fear to creep in. He defended himself against the lies. Defended himself against the the lies of friendly fire, so that when he went up against Goliath, and we read when he went up against Goliath in verse 41 and 44. We're not going to get specific about that today. The next time we will. But as you read about what Goliath did, Goliath comes at David with mocking and putting him down as some little boy, some stick, this unarmed, unarmored, this one who is nothing, can't do anything, is like a dog. In other words, Goliath just comes at him with the same kind of lies that everybody else was kind of feeding him. You're too little, you're too inexperienced, you can't do this, you're nothing, you're not going to win. But because David prepared himself by defending against all the other lies, all the things that are trying to come inside, he was able to look at Goliath and say, not today. I'm not going to listen to your lies today. What voices are we listening to? What's the voice? I mean, this is the first step to understand what is that voice? Are we hearing the voice of fear or are we hearing the voice of faith? There's a song we talked about last week, Fear is a Liar. And not that trying to promote any song, but I just... There is a video that goes with this that has a story. And I want to just share that with you now. Um, and, and even if it's not your genre of music, listen to the words and listen, look at the story and what's being said. And think about it in your own lives. getting a not not moving forward when he told you you're not good enough when he told you you're not right he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight. When he told you you're not worthy. When he told you you're not loved. When he told you you're not beautiful. You'll never be enough. Stop you 
So if you're hearing a voice tell you that you're not good enough, you can't win. Even some of those that you don't need to even be around anymore. I recognize that as a lie. Defend yourself against those lies. Say, not today. Not today. But but we've got to go beyond just that, which is why that, that second point is so important. And that's to arm ourselves with the truth to fire back. 
You can't just say, fear, you are a liar. I mean, that, that, that's, it brings out the point of the song, but if that's all you do is just say, fear, you're a liar, then what? You confront lies with truth. You fight fear with faith. You arm yourself to fire back. There's something that still needs to be done to help us beyond just recognizing the lie. There's something that David did before he could defeat that giant of fear. Something else that we don't usually look at. Something that we don't talk much about. Because David said, took that armor and he said, I can't do this, I'm not testing this, this is not going to do it. And he takes off. And he leaves from Saul going to fight Goliath, but he doesn't go right from Saul to Goliath. Did you notice that? He didn't just go right into battle, say, oh, I can't use this armor, so I'm just heading right in. No, it's not what he did. Look at verse 38 as we continue on with this. As, as, well, that's where Saul, in 39, David fastened. He can't go in these. And then verse 40, Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand approached the Philistine. Before David went to face fear, he prepared. And he went and got, it says, five stones. Here's the problem, is either we ignore this whole thing completely, or we have people that just get into what these five stones mean. Well, I think the five stones spiritually mean this, and I think the five stones are symbolic of... Forget it. What... what just read the text. What is it about? What are, why? What, what's the point? The point is he went to that water. He went to that riverbed. Whether it's a dry riverbed or not, it doesn't matter. He went there to pick out the best stones to take Goliath down with his sling. Not a slingshot. And we'll talk about that more next time. But the sling. I mean, it wasn't... Like where he, I'm sure where Saul was and where they were standing and everything like that, there were stones laying all over the ground. That wasn't the place to get the best stones. He wouldn't have been prepared for battle if he just picked up the stones laying on the ground. He knew to go to the riverbed because that's where they'd been smoothed off. That's where they'd been made more round, better to be. And to pick out the best ones, not just the best ones as far as smooth and round, but those which would be the right size. Maybe he had some still in his pouch to take down a, a, a little... Uh, wolf or something like that but this is goliath and these stones if you've ever picked up stones you know some of them have a different density a different weight than others they can be both the same size but one is heavier to pick out that perfect stone that was going to take goliath down he didn't just go run out into battle he prepared first he got his ammunition ready to shoot at the enemy Today, for us to defeat the giant of fear, we need to be preparing by picking out our ammunition as well and not just running into battle. That's, you're a liar and that's wrong, etc., etc. That's good, but you know what? You've got to have something. You've got to have some ammunition to come against fear. Now, I've given you a stone today. 
So you say, well, I'm not sure now that you talk about it, this is the perfect stone. Uh, You'll see in a moment what this is about. How do you fight a liar with truth? How do you conquer fear with faith? Where do we get that? Where do we get truth? Where do we get faith? God's word. God's word. We have it. How did Jesus fight the devil? With scripture, with God's word. That was what Jesus used. It wasn't anything else. It was scripture. The ammunition that Jesus used was the word of God. And not just the whole word of God, but those specific, perfect little stones, things that were written in stone from God that Jesus could cast at the devil, so to speak. Use that word of God. What is it for you? I mean, for, for those guys right then and there, for Moses, or for Moses, for, for Saul and the Israelite army, there was, there was tons of stones to pick up. There was tons of ammunition they could have used out of the word of God they had before that time. We've obviously have a whole lot more word of God since this time that's come to us. But before that time, they had the word that came to Moses in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 to 4 here. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt will be with you when you are about to go in battle. The priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear Israel today. Hear, O Israel, today. You are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against the enemies to give you victory. God gave them the word. God gave them the ammunition they needed to fight the lies. He gave them truth in this. But no one grabbed a hold of it. No one had that in their pouch, so to speak. Why not? It's there. It was perfect for this moment that they were there in front of Goliath. Perfect ammunition to battle against him. What are the promises of God that you can grab a hold of? What are those things that God has said that in a sense are written in stone that you can use that, that the solid rock of the word of God that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7. You have that right here. And so in just a few moments, what we're going to have you do is to not just say, oh, I got this rock and I got to think about it. We're going to make this real. We'll do something. I know it might be a little different, but we want to kind of put it to action here. And give you something symbolic as we think about this. There's a couple rocks right there. I have them right here. Joshua 1.9 or Isaiah 41.13. And if you know what those verses are. If you don't, on the back of your sheet that you have for sermon notes, there's a whole bunch of verses. In fact... I've got some more. 
that I want to share with you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and if you guys would just play, while I'm going to still go through my PowerPoint for just a little bit, well, if they would start to play this song. The song they're going to be leading us in is called Come to the Altar. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to say, I want to prepare to defeat fear in my life. And first of all, I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to defend against the lies all around me. But second of all, I am going to arm myself with the truth. And symbolically, to take... And what is a truth that you need? What is some verse that you have on on the back? If you if you did not get one of these sheets and you want one, uh, we're ready to hand them out. You just raise up your hand. If you didn't get one of these, it has all the verses on the back. Raise your hand and uh, we'll pass those out right now. Like I say, I, I'm just gonna as I talk here, go through. What are ones that? You allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you right now. We're the ones that allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, Second Timothy says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. Those are the two that I have. Or not the two. That's the one of the ones I have right here. And it may be that, you know what? That's the scripture I need to hold on to. And so what we're going to do in just a moment is invite you just to come up. There are markers up here, permanent markers, to write the reference. I don't think you'll be able to write the whole verse on. Maybe you will on some of them. But to write the reference on here, for those who have a darker rock, there are white markers on each one of these as well. If you didn't get one or if you want your kid to have one, there are stones in each one of these baskets. Just as you think through and ask God, and, and as they lead us in this worship song of coming to God, coming to Him, what He wants to have. To say, what is it that I need to hang on to? And to keep it in your purse, your pocket, whatever, put it on your desk. Just to remind you of the truth that we can throw at fear. To remind you, this is your ammunition against it. Now, some of you are going to be like, I don't know if I really want to come forward and do all... Is that because you're afraid? (laughs) I hate to say that, but, right? That's what we're talking about, (laughs) is not being afraid, okay? So this is a perfect opportunity. I know there might be a lot of people up here. First, that's fine. Take your time. Come. But really decide, you know what? I have at least one verse that I'm going to... And it's not... It's not that the rock is magic or anything like that. It's a reminder. But it's not a reminder if you don't go look in the Word of what that is and memorize this. So that you don't need that rock there because you've got to memorize not just in your head but in your heart. And every time fear comes with its lies, you come back. You come back with things like, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Or whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91, 1, and since 9, 11, right there. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. 
this verse with so many people grab a hold of this one Isaiah 41 verse 13 I am the Lord your God takes hold of your right hand and says to you do not fear I will help you do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid Jesus words John 14 verse 27 which one is it for you don't walk out here the temptation is just to be like well I I'll have to think about it how many of you ever have said I have to think about something from a message and then never did let's be real right I want to encourage you to do it today amen do not be anxious about anything but everything by in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God Philippians 4 6 peace is what I leave with you it is my own peace I give you I do not give as the world does do not be worried and upset do not be afraid John 14 27 in Psalm 94 18 when anxiety and great within me your consolation brought me joy I prayed to the Lord and he answered and freed me from all my fears Psalm 34 4 Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. And you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Father, make it clear for us.